Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back to Life to the Full. Your hosts, the Zitos, Patty and Jimmy, or Jimmy and Patty. We are welcome, the Zitos. Welcome. That's us. We are still in our facing our responsibility season, which is in the fall of 2020. Yep. And we're still in the gospel series. This is part three for those who do, do not speak. Numero no tres. Yeah, I always get this wrong. Or number tres. Yeah. For those What's of you. What's the joke again? Uh, El Nino. Uh huh. For those of you who don't speak Spanish, that oh, means the, the Nino. Nino. That's right. That's right. Chris Farley. Yes. Yes. Oh, rest in peace. Hmm. Anyway, uh, we should uh, get started with our episode. So, do you want to do a little recap of what you kind of what you went over in Gospel Part One and Two, or do yeah. we just jump in and allow people to go back? So we talked about heaven and earth extensively. We kind of went through. The whole storyline of the Bible. Oh, that was a heaven and earth series. Heaven and earth, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, uh, had, we had four parts. Of we it. had four parts, and we, we could have kept going. It's something <laughs> yeah. that, you know, when you look at the biblical narrative, the entire Bible, biblical story, uh, from that lens or from that point of view, it's, it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Right? You can read it front to back, back to front, start anywhere, and you'll find it. Um, so we spent a while there. And then we started talking about the gospel. Because most people's uh, experience of the gospel is, hey, good news, everybody. You don't have to burn forever in hell. You, you can do something else. You can go to heaven. You can go to a good place instead of going to the bad place. So that was uh, where we kind of left off with the gospel, that maybe the Bible is trying to tell us something else. Mm-hmm. Maybe the good news isn't, hey, you're gonna, don't worry about what happens to you in this life. Don't worry about all the pain, all the suffering, all the injustice that you've experienced because you're going to go to a better place if you believe the right things, if you say the right prayers, mm-hmm. um, if you go to the right church, mm-hmm. right? So we kind of tried to turn that on the head to be like, well, that actually doesn't seem to be what Jesus was talking about at all. He seems to be talking about, okay, something is near, mm-hmm. right? Heaven and earth are coming together. Uh, in Jesus, heaven and earth come together. Very much like temple language, like we talked about when we talked about heaven and earth in our, our four-part heaven and earth series. Um, and that we, as a church, are are similar to Jesus. We're described in similar language. Mm-hmm. That we are these garden-like Eden spaces that we're supposed to be making heaven and earth come together here in the present reality. And in the reality to come, when Jesus comes back, all things will be renewed and restored. Right. We didn't go into a crazy amount of detail. I think, you know, other people have said it and written about it better. Uh, Tim Mackey has a great uh, sermon and a great lesson on this that, you know, we kind of modeled. It's about 30 minutes only. 30 minutes. We, we modeled powerful. a lot of the stuff that we talked about on that. Uh, Middleton's book, A New Heaven and a New Earth, highly recommended. Uh, and basically just pick up any random N.T. Wright book and it's in there. Yeah. Or, you know, more specifically, Surprised by Hope. Or how God became king. I, I would recommend you start with Surprise by Hope. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Follow Jay-Z's recommendation. No, 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 I wanted to argue Oh, you wanted it. me to fight back. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to push back. I want the drama. You did. This is why. I, I saw it, so I was like, you know what? Let me, let, let them choose because. Let them choose. That's more Let powerful. them choose and then, I don't know, tell us somehow which one you chose so we can no, find out. No, that would be helpful. Again, find us on Instagram at whysuperstars.com. We'll have some info uh, with the podcast there um, or in Facebook. So, yeah, let us know. Yep. Tell us which book helped you the most. 
So uh, before we get into what we said we want to talk about today, mm-hmm. which is, you know, hell, H-E double hockey sticks, mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, the nuns in Catholic school used to say, um, we're going to we're going to back up in a second and I'm, I'm going to tell you some things that that may shock you. OK. OK. The first thing is that Jesus was not a Republican. <laughs> OK. And he also wasn't a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Jesus did not believe in the separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. Jesus uh, probably didn't know that the world was round. <laughs> he didn't know that we live in something called the solar system and our planet is one of many worlds. He didn't know that we are on a planet that was spinning, that was revolving around a star that we call the sun mm-hmm. and something that we call the Milky Way that has thousands, sorry, hundreds of thousands of, of stars, hundreds of thousands of worlds. Jesus didn't know that we were in an expanding universe. Jesus might have not even known how to read or write. Uh, Jesus okay. did not speak English. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure he knew how to read. Didn't he read the scroll and read from the scriptures? It's possible, but he might not have. Okay. He they, might have memorized They memorized Because remember... Because or, what's it called? Oral... Yeah. What's the Oral word? tradition. Well, Thank you. I love when you correct me, so please feel free to correct me. Wait, what? You like when I correct you? Well, I definitely... Only in the podcast, though, right? And, and not guys, in real life. When, when Jimmy... Whenever you're in a conversation with Jimmy, he goes, mm-hmm, right... It does not mean that he is in agreement in agreement with you. It means, mm-hmm, right, yeah. That means that he has received the words that have come out of your mouth, and he's going to have an opinion about that. So, the first two years of our marriage, I thought we were in full agreement okay. about so many things, and he was like, but what do you... Like, we never I never agreed about to that. I never agreed to that. <laughs> and I'm like, you said, mm-hmm, right. That means yes to opportunist Patty. <laughs> I don't understand. So anyway, I'm saying Optimistic, all this. Optimistic, you're not an opportunist. I, well, you, I, why did I, I heard that word before. Did I just make that up? No. Opportunist? I, I guess I think of opportunist more of like taking advantage of a situation. You don't, oh. like, take advantage. You're just no. an optimist. You're, like, you think the best. Well, why do like to think of opportunities instead of problems? Yeah, you're not suspicious of anybody. If somebody's, no. If someone is is looking at you and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you, you're like, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah they're, they're with me. he's with me. Heart and soul. This so, anyway, is... so I'm saying, please push back. Please correct me mm-hmm. because we. I don't want to say things that are not correct and you're going, Mm-hmm. And people are like, wait, what? What did yep. you say? So back in the day, okay. reading and writing was a specialized skill. Yes. It's not something that everybody did. Mm-hmm. And even if you were a religious leader, it wasn't necessarily what you did. Mm-hmm. You might have had somebody in your employ or who worked for you mm-hmm. who was called a scribe. And their job necessarily wasn't to be thinking or to be creating. They're, they were like a tape recorder. Or a word processor. That's how I used to learn. That's how I learned Peru. Oh, yeah? There was no... Teachers didn't write notes. Wow. They walked every aisle just sharing what they needed to do, teaching while we were taking notes. Nice. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus didn't necessarily know how to read and write. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that there's a possibility that he didn't. Right, right. There's a possibility that he, he memorized all this stuff right. from other teachers. Mm-hmm. There was a point where Jesus knew no scripture. It was a point at what? When Jesus did not know any scripture. A, a point where in his walk in his, his life. disciple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think we just got to we gotta remember this sometimes yeah. when, we, when we get into this. Mm-hmm. Right. Jesus was a Jew. Yeah. From, Wait, he wasn't American? He was not American. <laughs> he was not Peruvian. He was not from South America. <laughs> right. He was, he was a Jew from the first century, Palestinian. All that, all that, what that means. What, why do I say all this? Mm-hmm. I say this because I think it's so easy for us to forget 
that the Bible comes out of a different world. Yeah. It comes out of a different place, Mm -hmm. a different time. It comes out of a place and time that no longer exists Mm -hmm. in, in the very realest sense of what that means. And even though it has, it has spoken into our present time, and I'm very confident it will speak again into the future, uh, we just have to keep that in perspective. Yeah. We have to also understand that Jesus did not come out of the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Right? He didn't come with this supercharged sense of heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. So we have to remember that when Jesus says certain things. Because, like we said before, we can misread him or misunderstand him by whatever gaps are there, filling it with what we think we already know. Right. Versus trying to find out what's really there or with the lenses of our own culture lenses of our own our own culture yes Mm -hmm. so i think you know very much so like our tradition um can focus heavily on we got to save people from hell that's what salvation is right and i think that when you really read jesus in light of everything we've talked about before and you don't put into jesus what you think he's trying to say uh you see a different type of reality coming forth in some of the words that he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we forget for a second that hell is someplace, that there's a burning lake of sulfur, mm-hmm. there's a guy in a red suit with horns, <laughs> and he has cloven feet and a tail, and he's going, right? If we forget about that, <laughs> and we're like, well, what, is, what is he actually trying to say mm-hmm. here? And we talked about that a little bit, I think, last week where we talked about, okay, like, there's, there does seem to be a translation issue here, right? So if you went in, if you only grew up reading the King James version of the Bible, mm-hmm. you will not know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Because you'll be like, what are you saying? Hell is all over mm-hmm. the Old Testament. It's all over it. Well, technically, it's only 15 times. 15 times. Mm-hmm. That, that's not all over. Well, in the King James, it is. Oh, really? Because they'll take the words like Sheol, mm-hmm. the pit, the grave, and they'll just translate that as hell. Mm, okay. Which, you know, it creates its own, own different types of... Okay. Uh, I guess uh, interpretation catastrophes. Okay. But, yeah, in the NIV, in any good uh, translation that we have today, yeah, it's not, it's not many mm-hmm. times that hell is there. Mostly in the Gospels and mostly in the book of Matthew. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at it. And so I'm going to propose that hell is not a faraway place that exists for eternity. Oh, Jesus had no concept of the word eternity or infinity or probably even of zero because that's a very like Mm -hmm. modern mathematical concept. You know, anyway. Jesus didn't know A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't know what a right triangle is. (laughs) Jesus did not know trigonometry. Mm -hmm. And let's look at some stuff. Let's see if, let's see how we we would say, probably we've read this before, how most people we know would read this. And maybe in light of hell not being a faraway reality, but being something that we can experience here and now uh, at a, in a historical, specific point in time, what that could mean for us. And we're going to go to Matthew uh, chapter 5. And we're squarely in what's called uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So this is most likely a collection of sayings and teachings that would have been uh, Jesus's uh, go-to sermon. Okay. Like whenever he came into a new place, uh, whenever he was coming into a new city or town, a lot of these things people think would, would have been the first things that he would have started talking about. Uh, some people think we have it in its entirety. This is like basically the sermon that, well, you know, Jesus didn't know what a sermon was. <laughs> I know that's weird for people, right? Uh, this would have been maybe some of the stuff that Jesus would have said together. Some people think it's like it's taken bits and pieces here and the New Testament writers kind of put it all together. The word preacher, where did that come from? Yeah, right? Good question. I don't know. Because it's not, it's not, wait, some will be teachers, some will be... There's a, there's a different word behind it. Yeah. But we can, we can look that up at another time. Okay. Yeah. So I don't want to get too much down a rabbit hole. But you know, in Matthew 5, 
I think it was five, six, and seven, right? Let's just double check. Yep, he kind of just, this is kind of called the Sermon on the Mount. It's put together as one big teaching. So we're going to go to 520, let's go into the 20s. Let's go, let's start in 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says to his brother Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Right. So how would you say most people reading this would would take the scripture from our tradition? Most people, will, 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 the way I've read it, or the way without knowing the, the whole concept of heaven and earth, I would say don't judge others. Yeah. I think people would say, um, you know, it, God said through Moses, don't murder. But Jesus here is rewriting the law and taking it even a step farther and saying, don't even like think bad thoughts mm-hmm. about anybody. And then it kind of even ups the ante by saying, you know, if you do, you could you could go to hell one day right. for that. If you have unresolved issues, if you have things that you think about other people, if you're bitter, if you're bitter right, all this stuff. So I want to say that now how does this scripture change if instead of hell being a faraway place, it being a present reality? Do you think that changes anything for you? Yeah. Yeah. So let's read it again. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Subject to judgment as in right Right now. now. Right Again, anyone who says to his brother Raka, and you follow a little footnote, um, it says an Aramaic term for contempt, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. As in, right now. Now, right? But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So it almost, I think there's one way of reading it where it's like there's a present, there's a present consequence, there's another present consequence, and then there's an eternal consequence. Mm. Mm-hmm. But what about if there's a present consequence, a present consequence, and then another present consequence? Mm-hmm. Because God, in bringing together all things, does he want people to have these types of feelings towards each other? No. No. What, what does he want? Harmony. He wants harmony. He wants people to, to be unified. He wants people to be able to speak clearly to each other and to be able to resolve things. Mm-hmm. Right? Like how different how different would it have been if Cain went to Abel and talked about his feelings, right? Maybe. <laughs> or, you know, it was like, wow, that really hurt me when God, you know, chose to favor you versus it favoring me. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, all all these things, all throughout history. How how better would it have been, you know, because does murder just happen because I, I see random people and I want to kill them Mm-mm. because I like to kill them? No. No. Usually a murder happens, right, by someone you know. <laughs> yeah. Because there's some type of conflict. There's some type of disagreement. There's some type of hurt. Mm-hmm. There's some type of unresolved pain that instead of working that out, it could, you know, sometimes ultimately end in death. Right. So here, Jesus could be talking about perhaps a present reality of but anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So how do you feel like somebody um, thinking people are fools or not getting along with each other? How does that create a present version of hell on earth? Oof, so many things. I mean, it's uh, heavy guilt. It it's heavy. It's heavy on you. Yeah, when kids don't get along with their parents, when siblings don't get along. I mean, look at sibling rivals and then family drama. Family drama. Uh, and these are things that, I mean, I've seen families that don't speak to each other for decades. Yeah. I I think I was telling you, I've never not seen my dad or my mom or my sister for more than two weeks. That's crazy. It is insane, actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm not complaining. It's It's hard for me to hear people say i haven't talked to so-and-so in decades Mm -hmm. um yeah but anyway in the other coin of that there's a co-dependency in my family right but um but yeah when when 
when there's unresolved issues, it just feels very heavy and guilt and shame. That's hell. Yeah. I think there's also like a concept that even if your relationships here are not good, right? They're all going to be fixed somewhere Mm. along the line when you get to heaven. You know, it's taking that scripture. I think it's in Revelation about God wiping away every tear. Yeah. You know, people will be like, just imagine you're going to be sitting on God's lap and you're going to be crying and he's going to just wipe away those tears. And as he's wiping away tear after tear, all those memories are just going to go away. Wow. You know, and I feel like when you bring that out to its logical conclusion, mm-hmm. that means that all these people who ever made you feel anything bad or negative will be burning somewhere wow. in eternal torment. But it's going to be OK because you're not even going to remember them, wow. you know. And um, so I think when we focus on this eternal idea of hell, mm-hmm. we're missing the point of that there is a present reality here and now of hell on earth that I think disciples of Jesus are called and even really mandated to do something about. Yeah, it's called facing your responsibility. Facing your responsibility, which is why we're talking about this. In our season of facing our responsibility. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard somebody get up and like, you know, preach a message or even in different conversations where people seem to really fundamentally believe that their Christianity and their faith is all about them feeling great Hmm. and them feeling good. And that the people who don't make them feel good or people who have hurt them, they're going to get what's coming to them one day. Mm-hmm. Or even if it's not that extreme, it's like everything's going to be made better for me one day. Right. Here it's going to suck. Here it's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. But somewhere else, somewhere above the clouds, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I just need to forgive them because I don't want to go to the bad place. And when we say I just need to forgive them, Mm-hmm. You don't. You think about it. It pops in. Yep. You gotta talk to them. You gotta get resolve in yep. a sense. And so yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't mean this to say too that I don't think this means that it'll always go well. I think this goes back to even asking right. better questions. Or or we're not saying that things are gonna get better instantly. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's people's process is very different. Like you and I are completely different yeah. when it comes to this process. You actually are so much better when you spend time not even necessarily doing anything, but just being around the person. Um, you know, and for me, I'm I'm so grateful that I forget a lot. And so <laughs> I'm able too. to like forget things, you know, not not, not that that's the best way, but <laughs> Yeah, I think, too, I think people can focus a lot on, you know, well, I'm not really going to get resolved with people who, unless they're Christians. Right. You know, like, we're not, our relationship won't ever heal, won't ever get better. And because they're not Christians. Yeah. We put that, we slap that on top of the fact, I don't understand how many times I've heard I will have the conversation, but they're not Christian, so they're not going to understand. Yep. I know more non-Christians who have those hard conversations, and they for sure know. what They, they understand there's compassion, there's less judgment. Mm-hmm. How dare us say that? Oh, this, this gets me upset. I mean, I'm grateful that we're doing this podcast. <laughs> However, just the things that I hear, they're... they're they're really hard to accept. Like, well, I guess I'm in this process too. Yeah. So, well, because I think because I'm getting really angry <laughs> um, myself. <Braca>. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I gotta check myself because I'm getting angry at disciples in our movement and our tradition, uh, and I want to do a better job of sharing that at the moment like what do you mean by asking questions you know and love that how you share about rob bell you know it's like you know how can god do xyz and and saying yeah i don't believe in that either yeah (laughs) and and sorry conversation so yeah you're right i just yeah i got really upset um i the whole concept of us versus against them Mm -hmm. it's it's it doesn't allow us to really take responsibility responsibility for the things that we tell people. Mm-hmm. Like we can yeah. literally damage our family because I've done it myself, and I know I've said this before. 
Yeah, you know, I think it's true too. And I think, you know, it creates this like false sense of security. Mm. I feel like where, you know, I don't think a lot of people necessarily apply the scripture that are here and now because they're like, well, if I just forgive, if I just forgive them, and I think sometimes it's almost like artificial. I keep telling myself I forgive them. You know, nothing will ever be the same. I'll forgive them, but I won't forget. I forgive them, but that doesn't mean that, you know, things are going to be great, you know, or our relationship will ever be the same. And I think that in some ways, you know, antithetical to the spirit of Christianity and what Jesus is saying here. Jesus isn't talking about being thrown into some faraway fire and being tortured forever, you know, for calling someone a fool. I think he's what he's saying is there's a very present reality that when you live your life in contempt of other people, it creates a sort of living hell. Mm-hmm. That it's like being in a fire. Mm-hmm. It's like being on fire because it hurts. Yeah. It hurts and it hurts and it hurts. think you know for for myself this was very eye-opening because i think it's very easy for me just to walk away from people Mm. it's very easy for me to be like you know what you enjoy your insanity you enjoy your stupidity i'll be over here and i don't need you Mm. and i don't need anything i don't need anyone uh i wish you well God bless your soul. (laughs) You know, like one of those things. But where it's like, wow, this is like, this is so important. Mm -hmm. This is so important to understand. And I think like, you know, like it's taken us like thousands of years. But I think, you know, even psychologists and therapists will say something similar. You know, it's important to be resolved with people. It's important to have have the talk, have the fight, have the discussion. Do, Do the thing that you've been putting off. You know, like get the closure, come together. And I think then when you understand, okay, so we had a present reality, we had a present reality, right? We had judgment, we had the Sanhedrin, and then we had hell. So it's almost like in one way of reading it, we're like present reality, present reality, some reality to come, life after death. And the other way that I think we're reading it now is present reality, present reality, present reality. Hell, it could be a present thing that you're experiencing. It makes the rest of the scripture make a little bit more sense. Actually, a lot more sense. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, do you have something against them? No, they actually have something against you. <laughs> right? Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly. Right? Don't hold on to it. Don't drag it out for years. With your adversary who is taking you to court, do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, present reality, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, present present reality, and you may be thrown into prison, present reality. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. I think when we hold people to higher standards, right? When we hold people to things that God is not necessarily holding any of us to, right? It creates, a, in a very real sense, a living hell that I think most people are in. What do you, what do you mean by God not um, holding you accountable to what specifically from what you read? So what I mean is... Uh, God doesn't keep people places. Okay. When we sin, right, when things go wrong in our lives, and again, remember the broader definition of sin, Mm -hmm. not like the little things you do, like I had an attitude, like, you know, or I I said a bad word, Mm. or I was disrespectful, whatever it is, but the whole state of sin, God doesn't want to keep people there. He doesn't want to keep punishing people. Mm -hmm. He wants uh, resolution. He wants unity. It's right. good. Yeah, uh-huh. So in those situations, it takes it takes somebody it takes the wronged party, right? In this case it would be God to to forgive or to overlook it and bring it together. So God is isn't holding us to judgment forever, right? God is providing a way out. 
And God wants us to do that for each other. So I think when we come into these situations with families or friends, people who are close to us, you know, we want to keep them in that place uh, where we're either mad at them or disappointed at them. We want to keep them there for a long time. Right. But God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to seek out uh, resolution. Okay. Right. Does mm-hmm. that make more sense now? No, it makes sense. I want us to, if it's okay with you, take it a little bit, like zoom in a bit, um, because you've been called bitter. Of course. And you've been called divisive. I have. And so speaking of the bitterness, um, because as we're reading this scripture, that's like the first thing people are going to think, well, Jimmy's bitter and he's angry and he hasn't gotten resolved. He doesn't go to people quickly. He takes forever. He actually still hasn't talked to me about why he's mad at me. What do you say to that? Uh, I don't know. What do I say to that? Um... In, in in this context or this content? Uh, I think being bitter is is staying in the same place. Mm-hmm. Right? That that's how I think of bitterness or I feel like a I feel like it's like a walking away mm. in a sense. Like you're cutting people out of your life, you're dismissing them, this this relationship is never gonna change. Mm-hmm. Um I think in some situations, you know, you could be married to somebody who you're bitter with, or you could uh work with people you're bitter with. Uh, they could be your parents. They can be your children. Mm-hmm. So in those situations, I think people can feel like stuck, like they can't get away from those people. And then that's why I think uh, there's one interpretation of this where like I just have to, you know, endure all this injustice. And one day God's going to make it better when I get to heaven. Right. Or when they get to hell. But I think the other way of, of reading this is that disharmonious relationships are a way of they are like a hell on earth like people being bitter with each other and and stuff like that so i think for me um it's the understanding that things have gone wrong in a relationship but the attempt to move in a in a in a better direction and it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be better you get to do that this is your own process and being bitter or upset at something and doing what is best what you're doing whatever is best for the process of not being in the same place it's forward movement it's not that you're stuck there because and i'm bringing all this up because we decided not to go to the virtual meetings and so the first thing that people could say, Jimmy's bitter, he's not forgiving, and now he left. And, you know, and it's it's not true. We're still in people's lives. We're not coming to a virtual meeting where we obviously are seeing how people, like the, the distortion of the scriptures hmm. that we do not want to take part. So I just want to clear that out that... The way I meet for me personally, because I've actually told on you. What? I've actually ratted on you for being like something's wrong with my husband, you know. And then in our conversation, it came out that I still remember you said, maybe I'm still bitter. And we started crying. And this is about finances. Hmm. And that was so good to our relationship because i realized i was like wow you needed to verbalize that we keep fighting around finances and there's there's still this um very sensitive topic for you and i still remember the things that i said about finances that you were still bitter about and when that came up i'm like whoa that's it and it was helpful yeah, if I also may say, too, I don't think being uh, resolved with somebody is necessarily like you always, you agree with everything, mm-hmm. right? Or now you guys are totally on the scene. I don't think that's a unity. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a fake artificial form of unity mm-hmm. that I think our church has tried in the past. We all have to believe the same thing. We all have to think the same way. We're going to talk it out until, you know, you agree with me, basically, if I'm the person in leadership and you're not, right? Or if you're going to be on leadership, everyone needs to kind of agree with the same things. Yeah, because you're not, you are not allowed to lead because you're a bitter man. Right. And so for me, I've, I don't I don't see that as being bitter. Right. I see that as being honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that the church needs more honest conversation. And the scripture talks about how, like, while you're on the way, mm-hmm. you know, to what is it called, court or whatever it is, you know, settle matters quickly. All right. Could you read that part for me in verse 22? I think it is right here. Settle matters quickly. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Yeah. Do it while you're still with with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Yep. Yeah, so the idea of that, to me, it's like you're on a journey of somebody. Mm. Right? As long as you're still on that journey. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't write people off, but that's what they are because they're not part of your church. Or that's just the way they are because they don't have God because they don't go to your church. Right. Like, to me, that's a ridiculous concept, someone not having God. God is everywhere. Mm-hmm. God can be with whoever he wants to be with. Exactly. You know, I think, you know, God is with people who are in your church and God is with people who aren't part of your church. And how do you know just because somebody has membership at a certain church or club, that means God is exclusively with them. That's right. not what the scriptures teach, in my opinion. Right, and but but we use these scriptures and we we misuse them and then we label people. Right. Um. And why we're doing this podcast, right? Why are we trying to break all these things down? Well, yeah. So for me, in my own my own personal life, mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm currently wrestling with is that I I do feel when I when we when we try and have a talk like this with like someone who's representing an establishment like a, a church leadership group, mm-hmm. um, not much headway is able to be made. Uh, so for me, I feel like one way that I, I feel like I'm in the process of getting resolved with my church is by still walking with people who are part of that part church of tradition. But right. We that, haven't left our friends. Yeah, we haven't. Like, you know, I might have left an institution or it might have been like... Not I, really, just one meeting. Yeah, <laughs> just, just one Tuesday meeting. Tuesday evening meeting. Like, yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday meeting. Uh, but the, the people are still very important to me. That community, like we talked about before, is very important to me. And that means walking with them. And that means, like, you know, just talking things out, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think, you know, the scriptures here are teaching that that means everything is, is rosy or everyone's agreeing, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a process. It's a walking with a person, mm-hmm. you a know. Journey. It's a journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes time. You know, and even the scripture, you know, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You can still get out. <laughs> it's not like a, a a reality that's someplace in the future that you're going to be locked into forever. Mm-hmm. I think hell on earth is something that I think even Christians can go into from yes. time to time. But there is a way out. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart when I when I know people who their faith in God is very, very important to them. They, you know, they either go to mass all the time, they go to church all the time, they read the Bible all the time, but you can just see it. They're stuck in these present hell-like realities where they're just not seeing the other person because they're either excusing them because they don't go to their church or they just feel like nothing's ever going to change. And I just need to bear with this person in love because that's what they think the scriptures are calling them to do. And they're not engaging with their, with, with people. Who are making them feel certain things? So, for my own life, for people who think that I'm I'm bitter or divisive, mm-hmm. this is my philosophy that I'm I'm currently approaching, and I I feel like it's it's from the scriptures. I still need to walk with them. I still need to talk with them. These are still my friends. This is still my spiritual family, you know. And I think that means not always like. You know, I can't write them off. I can't just think they're stupid. <laughs> and I have to bear with them. I have to engage them, right? And I can't just think that uh, I can just walk away from them. And that's okay, too. Even sometimes I'm like, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. I can have the same talk. I can have the same argument. 
but I think it's it's that journeying of coming together, I think, over time is what in the end makes all the difference, if that makes sense. Yes. So if you don't mind sharing, so why did you decide to stop attending Tuesday meetings and Sunday sermons virtually? Um, I think the more and more I'm realizing how much uh, this stuff can really hurt people, like even like what we're talking about now, the whole concept of heaven and hell, um, you know, we're saving people from hell. It's all about hell. We're going to be miserable people until we get to a better place called heaven. And that's just that's just what it is. I just I started seeing how that, that's hurting people more and more. And if, I feel like if I'm just going and like, you know, silence means agreement. If I'm just there in the meeting and I'm quiet, it's just it means I agree. And also, I kind of feel like in some situations, the conversation wasn't going anywhere with me being inside that institution. It kind of like closed a door on certain conversations being able to be had because it's like I'm just a bitter, divisive person in the movement. You can't lead a group. And we need to correct that. We need to, you know, correct that before we even talk about anything else where it's like, guys, I've been here for two decades. Like, I don't understand how I'm bitter and divisive. Like, like. I'm here. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like the way you you've done things. I don't make I don't like decisions that have been made, but that doesn't mean that like I'm trying to tear everything apart. Right. I'm showing up and being honest and I want to be part of the solution. Right. I don't want to just tell you how you suck. Right. Like, you know, I it's not even about you. And I've witnessed all these conversations um and uh yeah, I think you're a better man than anyone I know for this because I know for me I drew that line of you being taken out of leadership or even teaching these things because because you're bitter you were no longer trusted and that hurt me a lot and I'm pretty sure I didn't voice that out um which gives me an opportunity to do that because I've been noticing my body my breathing Mm. (laughs) In this episode, uh, and I, I gotta go in. I want to go and have that conversation because a conversation is with just one person. It's yeah. not. It's not both. You know, and I think the imagery of like you know someone about to be giving a gift at the altar mm. that's in that scripture, mm-hmm. but there's there's unresolved things that they know that they need to deal with, and you know. And that comes right after, you know, being danger of being, you know, the fire of hell. I think that's a present reality. Mm-hmm. And I think it gives me a lot of mm-hmm. compassion because I feel like a lot of people who I think a lot of people would consider them heroes of the faith have made certain decisions in their life around this concept of heaven and hell. And I have to make those hard decisions. That's yeah. my role as a Christian yeah. to demonstrate to people, to condemn people. So that perhaps they'll be saved from the fires of hell by my good example. And I see people who, I've, in my opinion, have stacked up these bad decisions where they've left like a trail of like broken relationships behind them. Relationships with their kids, relationships with their friends, relationships with, with different people. But they really think that that religious thing that they're doing, like if you can imagine this person who's like, I would love to get resolved with X, Y, and Z, but I have to give this gift right now. Hmm. And God is saying, forget the gift. Mm-hmm. I know I talked about you You have to give me gifts. Stop. Go and be resolved. That's what I care about more, mm-hmm. about my, my people being together, my people mm-hmm. being unified, heaven and earth coming back together. And that, that means you being being together with you know people that have hurt you and people that you have hurt. This, this is important to me. Um, and I think that like, there's too much of the checking of the spiritual boxes mm-hmm. of the religious actions, the meetings, um, the attendance, the showing up on time, mm-hmm. right? Focusing on these things that don't really mean anything to God yeah. versus actually doing the hard work. So for me, it gives me a lot of compassion because I feel like, you know what? These people are literally living in hell mm-hmm. and they're going to a church and they're going to all these church meetings and they're doing all the, they're making their lives so much harder, right? Because they're so busy and they're so tired and they're so tired and they're so worn out because these things 
are not weighing on them. They're not weighing on them, and they're, like they're not doing anything to make forward progress mm-hmm. towards it. Like I feel like, you know, like when you're when you're in some type of damaged relationship, if you have a damaged relationship with somebody, and I'm sure that we all know. If I say, you know, what are some relationships in your life that are damaged right now? You know who they are. You have those names. Moving back into harmony, into unity with that person, that's not usually something that can just happen in a second. You can't just go and say you're sorry. Mm-hmm. That usually doesn't work. You know, a father who hasn't seen his kids in like, you know, 20, 30 years, because for whatever reason, can't just show up one day and then just expect everything to be great. You know, I mean, forgiveness can happen, but I will say like the trusting part will take time, of course. Yeah, what I'm saying is that that takes time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, that, I agree. that's a that's a journey along the way, mm-hmm. and I think that like you need to donate time to that. You need to be equipped to even how to do that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, how do you, how do you how do you walk this back? Mm-hmm. How do we get back to a place where you know we're we're okay? You know, if you're a mother and a daughter, if you're a father and a son, if you're brothers, if you're friends, if you're in a marriage that like, you know, like you just can't even stand to look at the person anymore. How do you walk that back? Mm-hmm. And I think that takes time. And I don't think what what's going to help is going to a meeting mm-hmm. where you're going to be talking about something from a scripture that somebody pulled out because they, they have a calendar they're trying to follow. This This is the real work of Christianity that I don't think is being done. recap if you don't mind sure repeat back what i'm hearing is that you listener you christian and the other side of this podcast you as a disciple of jesus if you have any problems with someone who is not a disciple Mm -hmm. it is your responsibility to go and have that conversation so you cannot write off the fact that well he or she is not a disciple Mm-hmm. And they're not going to understand. So that's one. The second thing I hear is that going and having these conversations does that mean that you're going to get to an agreement? It means that it that you are going to embrace the process of how long that's going to take to be in harmony. The harmony doesn't equal agreement. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. Because, you know... We, we look at it as, well, my mom is not a disciple. And and the reason why we don't have the conversation is because deep in our hearts, we want to be right. We're doing the right thing. And my mom needs to get baptized. Mm-hmm. And so until she does that, I'm not having a conversation. Yeah. She's not going to understand because we're fighting to be right. That's another thing I see. We have a really hard time letting go of being right yeah instead of doing the right thing yeah and today i've I've gotten a lot of love on this uh quote from brene brown and if you've been following us you know we love brene brown and we spend basically our summer breaking down there to lead and so as you were sharing this is the quote that came to mind from brene brown Integrity is choosing courage over comfort. It's choosing what is right over what's fun, fast, or easy. Mm. And it's practicing your values, not just professing them. So the way I see that part, stop professing you're a disciple of Jesus, that you're a Christian. Practice that putting aside of your gifts in, 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 in the church Step outside and go and have the conversation. We're all capable of this courage, yeah. of this integrity. And I'm a firm believer, too, that, you know, actions and decisions, they they compound over time. So, like, I think even, that's why I think I keep saying, like, I'm moving towards, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not going to be something that, like, maybe it is, you know, but most likely mm-hmm. that that's not going to happen. You I mean, I, I've seen it happen. Like a sorry and a conversation has helped some relationships. Yeah. 
to begin the process of healing. No, and I agree with you. I think there are cases, but I mm-hmm. think what most people are in, especially I think, I think Christians, I think in, at least in our tradition, we can, especially like, let's say with non-Christians, we can tend to do everything except actually dealing with the person. Right. Like, you know, we'll, we'll take it to prayer. And I'm not saying anything bad about prayer. Right. But like if you're, if you're just talking to God about somebody, like, you know, like, I mean, you need to go deal with that person too at some point. Yeah. You know? Um, or we're just going to, to meetings and then we're talking to other people about that person. Mm-hmm. But we're not, still, we're not talking to that person. You know, or we're getting that, oh, wow, that's really messed up that happened to you. Mm-hmm. Or, man, they just need Jesus or whatever it is. And it's like we're not actually. But I feel like sometimes when we're willing to wade into the messy, right, we're willing to have like. And I don't think we need it needs to be totally messy over just time. Rumble with vulnerability, right? <laughs> or it doesn't even necessarily need to be that dramatic. I think mm-hmm. I've had friends that we've turned corners and it's just been like we just didn't give up on the friendship. Right. You know, at the time and in that mm-hmm. moment. There was going to be no like way that we were going to be able to come to any type of agreement about something. Mm-hmm. But we didn't throw away the friendship. We kept the friendship. Mm-hmm. And then instead of like directly attacking the core issue that was keeping us apart, we kind of just gave each other space. Mm. And I think that has a way of like working on people over time. Mm. You know, like you might not necessarily be able to force an agreement or force unity and force harmony. But over time, acts of love and acts of, you know, wanting to be together, I think really can make the difference over time. You know, it's that it's that compound effect. You know, so it's like this one little scripture, I think, when you just take out the hell, like, Uh okay, like, I'm going to go to hell unless like, I I stop calling people fools in my heart. Hmm. And we actually make this like applicable in like a present reality no hell is something you you could be experiencing as a christian in your relationships with people right now and then how do we walk our way out of that you know and i I think over time we really should be making the places that we inhabit better spaces over time are they going to be perfect no are they going to be like free from any pain or suffering no but i think what they will be is i think they will be better and I think if we just continue to just write people off, like, you know, like, I just need to bear with them and love them until I die. And pray for them. <laughs> pray for them. You know, to me, I find that to be just just very ridiculous, to be perfectly honest. I don't find it to be Christian right. at all, you know, because I think Christianity is that bringing together in a present reality. Mm-hmm. It's that radical act of love and forgiveness that just, you know, it's offensive to people. <laughs> I think it's offensive to a lot of Christians. Like, you know, like, what do you mean? You know, like, but this person hurt me. But this person's not a disciple. Mm. So what? You know, like, I think you have to, we have to learn how to be tougher with our love, with our grace. And I am, I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to my tradition here, because I think this is something that you, you constantly learn. You constantly get better at over time. Yeah. Well, Personally, for me, it's also the fact that y- you want to be right. You want to be right the whole time. That mm-hmm. we, that we, as I will say, ninety-nine point nine nine percent of our tradition, yeah, they want to be right. Yep. Because they want to take it to heaven. They, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. And so, it's sad. And at the same time, as or as, as we're recording this, is. But it's challenging my character that I'm doing the same thing about this particular labeling on you, you know, on you being bitter and you being dis- divisive. And I'm realizing that I'm, that it has impacted me more than what I thought it did. Mm. And I'm, I'm a needed conversation. You know, again, I, I hope that we, as, as Christians, if you are a disciple, if you belong into our movement and you have been in this journey with us from the beginning, um, that we take the time today to have to begin the conversation. Pull up your phone, send a text, hey, can we get together for coffee? As a matter of fact, one way I lead by example. Um, <laughs> Could I also say too, yeah. is that I also feel like 
even just moving in your heart like towards reconciliation i think is perhaps a more realistic step for for many people who don't necessarily who haven't practiced taking massive action in their lives the way you have a text it's an invitation to hey like i'm literally writing i'm not gonna put the name hi so and so love to get together with you at some point this week or even after the holidays uh to discuss something that's been weighing on my heart and i hope that the re- the receiving and listening hearing that it's weighing on my heart that it can be an opportunity to to have this conversation and if not that's fine i will be at peace um, I don't call this massive action. This is this is taking action. It's just not worth it being weight with this weight. Because even talking about it, yeah, it's releasing a lot of weight out of me. It's great writing this text. Um, and I and I know maybe you're saying that because some people don't like to be challenged, and I told you that from our podcast. You well, know? I'm also I'm thinking about people who you know, people might have unresolved things of people they can't talk to anymore. For different reasons. And you could reach out to me. I mean, I don't mean to plug in my service, but that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I am a language story coach. Yeah. And a lot of times we, not a lot of times, but this is leading by example, that you can write these stories out. You can get resolved without talking to the person too. I mean, it would be great. We don't want to rob you from those conversations. But take the initiative we we finish you know increasing our vulnerability is what it's going first mm-hmm. it's being vulnerable we are challenging you i'm not backing out of that <laughs> we are challenging you okay um i'm i'm saying let's let's just move towards reconciliation whatever that means yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not saying get out of your car, get in your car, and drive up to that person <laughs> and say we need to talk. Yeah. I, what I'm saying is make progress in the sense of like send a text, okay. or maybe even a phone call. I know what I want to say. Okay. Just have the long game in mind. Don't think just one text and one conversation. I'm not expecting for this for right, us but to I, sing I think, kumbaya. I think some people might. You know, I think some people might be like, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do it. Getting resolved right. means they need to agree with me. You know, but what I think what we're saying is just start the process and have the long game in mind that it might take many meetings, it might take many talks, it might take a long period of time before, you know, it gets better. Is that yeah. safe to say? And I want to add that even when you have the conversation and let's say it's like, you know, forget you, get out of my face, don't ever come back to me nor approach me on this topic. Mm, which could happen. Which could happen yeah. that there is an opportunity for you to be clear through language and story process. Mm. That's what I meant to say when I did my whole plug-in of that. But it's, it's, I literally understand and seeing clients that hell is right here. Yep. And usually in the stories that you tell yourself by yourself and others. So this, this was what drove me to write this text um, to initiate a conversation. Is this person going to get back to me? I'm not sure, mm-hmm. you know, it may never, um, I doubt it because we do have a, a, I believe we have, we've had a good solid foundation, uh, and most likely why, um, there's so much, um, fighting to disunite us. You know, I, I seen that, I mean, definition of the Satan, right? The adversary, the accuser. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So I think this is a good time to pause this part. I don't know if we even got to what you wanted to share. We got to just one scripture. Oh, how many scriptures did you... (laughs) We're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount. So I think there's two more. Um, Yeah. Okay. So... Next, stay tuned next week. Stay tuned for next week of the Gospel Part 4. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we have two more episodes. And we'll give you more details over where that will go. Or it could be Part 5 and 6. 
<laughs> we'll see what happens. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please reach out to us. You could find us at White Superstars at either our Instagram or our Facebook account. We love to hear from you. You could also join us at our Slack channel uh, where we have more conversations in there as well. Where all the cool kids hang out. <laughs> well, adios muchachas. And muchachos.